Hello and welcome to To Mana Podcast, the Black Friday edition. Uh, John, no. did you buy anything on Black Friday? I did not. Not because oh. I'm trying to be very um, gracious and, you know, do anything else. I just didn't get around to it. Well, that's a shame. Uh, Jack, please, come on. Even if it was a milk frother, which is what I bought, what oh, did you wow. get? Uh, no, no milk frother. I bought a winter coat so that I could go and stand on the terraces at Mickleover to watch some football. And then they revealed that because Derby's in tier three, there will be no fans at Mickleover. So I now have a winter coat to wear in the house during tier three. I mean, what are we well, talking? You just stand on a van. That's what people do. They stand on vans next to football stadiums and look like absolute wazzocks. I mean, was that, our, was that our fans or their fans? <laughs> Definitely those. You sure? No, but for if you if you if it was our fans and you're listening, John is really sorry, and uh, <laughs> but we don't promote van standing generally at to Man nice. podcast. Yeah, very good. Uh, Jack, is it a Parker? Has he got a fluffy hood? What what we talk? Are we the, the listeners need imagery? Uh, it's just a blue coat. Really. <laughs> it's nothing ex- it's not that exciting but that, that's what i bought I, I think your milk your milk frother how you, i can't even say it milk frother probably uh trumps it really okay excellent um other news beyond milk frothing um i went to the oxfox thursday social last week and it was really good bino was there um lots of oxford fans some of which were familiar faces Lots of questions being punted in Bino's direction. Lots of things you'd expect about, because given it was in the lead up to Swindon about his, um, you know, the much talked about nearly move. But Bino was clear to say it wasn't a nearly thing in his camp, as in it was never never going to be an option. But, you know, talked about it being potentially double the money. Um, he also talked about how Bournemouth came in. Did he say Lee Bradbury? Is that a name? It is a name, isn't it? <laughs> he said you, like you for us, yeah i was gonna say yeah it's the same same guy isn't it but he uh talked about how we had a really good offer to go to bournemouth at one point as well um but yeah it was really cool that bino came to that and it was it was a really good a good session from oxfox and I, I think they're gonna do it every thursday um as a social just for fans to get together to chat about things i imagine this week they're probably ch- chatting about tickets and such um but yeah really good um, and amazing from Bino to to do that. I asked him about his favourite goals. Was my one of my main questions to him, and I said to him, Luton at home in that two nil, where he missed the pen and then then scored thirty seconds later, and then shushed the uh, away fans who were shouting "Who are you?" at us, and then also talky away. Um, do you remember that he kind of smashed it? I forget what the score was. We were wearing that horrible purple kit. That had Isenglass. I was going to say Isengard from Lord of the Rings, but sorry, that's a dork reference, isn't it? Just get away from that. What were his favourite goals? He he kind of didn't have many. I think man, someone else said Mansfield away, which was like his hundredth as well. But I think Bino yeah. was kind of saying that, he, and he was kind of right. Like he didn't score that many like stormers. A lot of them were like pile driving storm through defensive lines yeah but that's what i loved about him. he was just sort of pile drive pummeled his way through and then just battered it in like i mean a lot of it yeah. was in the conference so what you know what do you expect <laughs> but that yeah. was all he was all about it's true it's like the um the goal at wembley was a bit like that wasn't it just no no messing about <laughs> brings it down smash left foot kind of went good under finish, the good finish though like yeah really good i mean Considering the where it was and the, the pressure on it. Any favourites for you, Jack? Even if they weren't, you know, super duper goals, but moments from Bino. Trying to think, I I remember him taking an awful penalty away at Northwich on a Tuesday night and then scoring the rebound, and it was one of those kind of oh yeah moments, which is just one of the ones that lives. It wasn't a glorious goal. It was away at Northwich on a Tuesday, but it's always one that's stuck in the memory. You went to Northwich on a Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Uh, where is yeah. where is Northwich? It's in Cheshire, and they don't exist anymore. Northwich, bless them. Oh, okay. Well, R.I.P. Northwich. 
Um, so genuine. Yeah, I know. Sorry. I just, I I'm assuming they're fans are listening. It is bad, obviously, when clubs go out of existence. I take it back. Um, on to the football. We don't really want to talk about football. That's why we've had so much general chat about nothing. But um, <clears throat> we haven't had a pod since uh, the Wigan win. Um, so we were a bit more sprightly, obviously, when we were chatting about that. I think we had someone tweet us said, saying that we only pod when we're winning. And I was quite quick to point them back to our previous pod where we were moaning and ranting like shit. So there you go. Um, Pompey away, John. It was We had a different shape to the team. Aji started up front. Um, but generally, it was it was a really, really good performance. There was a kind of middle section wasn't quite there. But otherwise, it was a good all-round game from us, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the um, the first game we played with uh, the right defence, shall, shall we say, um, which I think was no clearly worked, and we were a lot more, lot more stable on that perspective. And it, it was kind of similar story in a way. Really nice start, some reasonable bits of football, and then they actually just sort of turned up a bit and actually were playing some nice patterns around us quite easily, and sort of just seemed to sort of have their partnerships and their patterns a lot more drilled down. So, but it was, we were in that space where it was like, it's Pompey on a, away on a Tuesday or just Pompey away generally. So you've, you've got to, we've all said, and we, I think we all did take a drill before the game. And Jack won one. We, I think one, one was probably the most predictable result. If you looked at our recent games with him, but um, did you see the equalizer coming? Like it felt like we, we did deserve it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a strange game because prior to Pompey scoring, we'd kind of not dominated, although KR would probably say we dominated, but the, the first 20 minutes was were quite bright and then them scoring really to shut us down. But yeah. the last half hour, 25 minutes, the three subs that came on made made well, changed the game. And um, yeah, we, we were looking the most likely towards, towards the last 10, 15 minutes. I think the penalty was one of those that you you want if it's for you if it had been given against us we'd have probably argued a little bit um yeah. i think the most surprising thing was to see gorin step up and take it oh for sure yeah i i was i was nervous when he when he stepped forward but yeah great great pen nice and composed i absolutely loved how everyone to a man including gorin <laughs> was like oh god he's going to miss <laughs> ko after the game was like you're not taking another penalty. Everyone on when we were watching it thought he's not going to score this. I was willing him on with everything just to score. And um, because he looked so intense, his eyes were like bulging out of his head. And you were all taking the piss out of me for going, look at his eyes. And I was like, what do you mean? How, <laughs> oh, yeah. how dreamy, how dreamy he looks. I was, I was meaning how intense and how determined he looks, and this is gonna be a great <laughs> moment. It was um I still always wonder, like, when you've got that many attacking players on the pitch, though, that it there's always it's still a bit strange. But you know, if someone feels confident, sometimes that's just the the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah, so. I think he's he just took he just by all accounts just seized it and, and went for it. But I mean, there was there's plenty of other positives. I mean, it was it was good to see Atkinson have another reasonably assured game. I mean, I think the challenge with him is he's going to make. A mistake and at the moment some of them do lead to goals but generally after Wigan it's good for him to uh, with a better opposition to have a, a good game. Didn't um, didn't Atkinson bring the ball out from the back as well for the pen he kind of ran the whole way up the pitch. Yeah, he said he did yeah. that thing kind of dropped it off to McGrain who I think some people also thought, thought it was a really good return pass I thought McGrain got a bit lucky but then Atkinson yeah carried it up and then dropped it off and I mean that's obviously going to be a weapon I mean it's it's not quite passing it out of the defence, which is something we can talk about later as that impact on the team. But it's um, it's definitely welcome. I was going to say that Adji was really good and because he was a bit more gritty. I mean, he was doing what we have seen him do, like hold the ball up well and make the right yeah. kind of play. But I thought it was a grittiness to him that I thought had been missing, and you could tell you could tell the pressure on with it was on with him. And we always talk about how the KR Adji relationship and Jack, you made this point, is just weird <laughs> don't know what's going on with that um but that was another positive um but yeah. still and you know for me it's all about what's the progression in the performance and 
it was a progression overall. And Jack, final thing. Um, so as well as the subs that came on and definitely made, made a difference, and we'll talk a bit about subs coming on in the sec, in the different game. But Claire started on the right-hand side and he came on, um, he came off the bench at Wigan, didn't he? And then got the assist for the second goal playing in that kind of right wing and then started um, as a right mid type thing um, in this game as well. But he he did all right, didn't he? It was he was kind of busy, kind of made a few odd decisions, but at the same time, he didn't have a bad game. Yeah, I mean, he looked a lot more confident driving forward from a position that was already starting further forward. Um, and that's what fans who've watched him play at heart, Gillingham, Chef Wednesday, have said. He is a kind of midfielder who likes to get the ball and drive forward. Um he can't defend, and that's clear. And I think now, I can't see any way he goes back to fullback now at all, especially after we've now had a clean sheet. As much as we kind of put a question mark against Sam Long a lot of the time, um, I think that back four should stay as it is now. Um, and Claire is now kind of in the pot as a, as a right winger for the rest of the season. Yeah, we'll see. I still think he'll play right back at some point before Christmas. But it may be that's in the Tim Pot Surprise trophy or something like that. We'll have to see. Um, okay, so we were all feeling pretty good. You know, we had the win at Wigan, drew away at Pompey. Genuinely, like, kind of probably our best little mini run of the form and yeah, best run of form of the season, like, thus far type thing, heading into the game v those lot down the road. Um, John, I think we were, like, pretty... A, I wasn't nervous for the first time in a long time. And B, I was really confident that we were going to be absolutely fine. Um, Given all the stuff going on in the background at the Swindon recent turnover of management and just reading up a bit about their team um, and their kind of inconsistencies and stuff like, I I thought we'd be fine. But first half, it did feel fine, didn't it? It did, and I was as confident as you were before the game. I think we all we all know there's there's quality in our team, and it's just something about bringing it together. Looking at them, I didn't feel like you know from afar they had much particular quality. They were also um, playing. They were playing a new system. I'm pretty sure they were playing. Five, that was the, the first or second game they played five two three or five four one, and so in the first half they looked like a team who were trying to play a new system players would sort of play a pass and then instantly look am I in the right place on the position um, on the pitch which isn't what you really want to see but they weren't great but equally I'm not doing us any disservice you know the balance of Gorin, Kelly and McGuane was really really good in midfield yeah. and, and it was the first time you were sort of seeing some zipping of passes around um, we had lots of players showing for it yeah, a bit of nervousness at times, but I think the fullbacks distribution is is a, is a broader issue. Perhaps need to talk about as well. But yeah, it was a great first half, really, and um, played some lovely stuff. I was I was surprised, Jack, like how often we seem to kind of get in behind them because that hasn't been the way we've been playing of late. But Matty Taylor had, you know, he had his, obviously had the goal, which was a decent finish, good through ball by Kelly. But there were a few other times as well where he was just kind of getting played through and then running in behind the back line and stuff. It was just a different different approach. I thought they, they they just looked all over the place, Swindon, first half. Yeah, I think we made reference to it whilst we were watching that Taylor's goal is probably the first goal we scored this season where we played a striker through one-on-one with the keeper. Yeah. Um, you could only be positive at half-time because we were breaking that back five open so easily and obviously... Taylor went on to miss a, a glorious chance to make it 2-0. Um, probably the best thing that happened for them was their centre-back going off injured and kind of forcing a, a reshuffle. Obviously, they changed it again at half-time. Jack Payne came on. Um, and then, you know, we second half, we just kind of imploded on about the hour mark and well, we all know what happened. But it was just... It very much was a game of two halves. I was... Um... That Taylor chance just before half time. I just remember, and you, you know that every other Oxford fan is saying exactly the same thing when he misses that. Is like, oh, that's gonna, 
Nah. But I, even then, I didn't think it would. Even when he missed that, I was like, do you know what? The fact that we've created that chance and it was that easy and he's got a tap in, it's a good sign. You know, I'd take that as a positive rather than like a, ah, oh, sh- shite. It's, um, been, it's been a few too many of them from him. What, um, what you describe as a, a big chance. And I'm going to try and attempt to bring a stat here, which I know oh, I'm not not renowned for, but I did look, look this up. Um, so there's an app on a website called FopMob, which some people may have heard of. And across League One, they measure something what's known as a big chance. Now, I don't exactly know what that means, but let's assume it's a original a, name, a solid effort. And we are top of the league for big chances with 29 this season. And for big chances that we've missed, we've missed 23. And we're only above, we're only behind Fleetwood for missing for those missed chances. Now, if you assume it's a reasonably, you know, it's a credible website. Let's just say big chances are what, you know, that's a good measurement. I just thought, well, that kind of, that does sum up where we feel we are often, which is missing those big chances. And that was tailored far too many occasions. If you look at Gillingham, you look at the, um, yeah, the one at Swindon, the chances you like, that's a tap, a relative tap in. Um, I'm so surprised. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised by that, given that we've still had quite a few games where we've just created naff all. Um, but that maybe that shows that I think it's probably yeah, it's back to some of those the Jilly Peterborough game mm-hmm. where where we missed some sitters. Yeah, no, I've, I was thinking actually, if you think about the last few games, I, I swear Elliot and Atkinson have had a lot of headers cleared off the line from corners. Or oh, yeah. Elliot Moore, yeah. Elliot Moore had times we hit post off a corner, things like that. And that's another thing from set pieces seem to have improved in their variance and, and sort of dynamism but actually a couple of times we've been like that's got to go in um so i forgot i forgot is... elliot moore had that had a yeah he hit the post in the the other day and then he had a like nearly a free header it was a bit harder actually this one against swindon but it just went wide didn't it well we've, we've implemented the conga train for some of the corners haven't we <laughs> yeah which is which to put into paint a picture is when the players stand in a line behind each other at a corner and proceed to um charge towards the goal <laughs> which um i think man city made famous initially but we've obviously got around to copying it three or four like three or four years later that's it thanks for bringing a stat to the table we used to be quite heavy on stats it's it's died a bit but that was good john we need to get in touch with the head of big chances at football to clarify the exact you know what may what makes a, a big chance I have to find him or her or i thought it was, it was a very sort of me stat to bring i not really that clean cut stat, <laughs> but fitted what i wanted to say <laughs> i enjoyed it um, fully um jack a lot has been made of the subs um so we were you know first half we were doing really well Second half from the off was just a non-event. Like it was just a horrendous game of football. I think we were saying, we were definitely saying, watching it even when we were still one 0 up, this has turned into a complete like shitter of a football match. Um, and it got to a point where still felt largely comfortable because Eastwood had had like Naffle to do himself. I'm saying Naff a lot today. It's my new word of the day. There you go. Um, but then it got to what? 60 70 minutes and to be honest i was saying you know bring get sykes on get some fresh energy in the team and i kind of understood that one but what did you think about about the other two subs so shadipo and aji coming on double substitution for mcguain and and abita it it just felt strange and it was more for me it was more the players that came off so you kind of Winning 1-0 at home in a derby match, you know it's going to get a bit messy towards the end. They'll have to throw the kitchen sink at it, etc. You take off Henry. It wasn't particularly affecting the game, but he's a bit of experience. You take off Abita again. wasn't particularly affecting the game, but he's a bit of experience. And you bring on Shadipo, who's raw. Aji, who's raw. Sykes, less raw, but often drifts in and out of games. And it just felt those three within, I think it was eight minutes of each other, just completely threw our shape, our plan, 
We almost looked panicked. We almost had a five, ten minute spell of going, I don't are we trying to win two nil? Are we trying to hold on to one nil? Um and Swindon capitalised on that. They'd made some changes, stuck the centre back up front and he yeah. caused chaos really. I, I didn't that's the thing. I, I would kind of get Aji coming on for Taylor just to get some to get Aji chasing down their back line and putting them under pressure and whatever else. But yeah, to completely to leave Taylor on bring Aji um, and and Shodders on, like you said. I, I do think there's a whole thing around if that could work. Like It could stretch the game. It could pay off. But it just felt, John, like it was just too much of a of a gamble. But it, I, again, hindsight is just a, <laughs> a wonderful thing. And um, I just... I, but I still think that was an interesting one. I, I'm surprised KR didn't... He definitely acknowledged that the subs didn't work, but he didn't acknowledge it was anything to do with him. <laughs> obviously not um, yeah no I was going to say it felt like a gamble to try and win 2 or 3 nil. you could have put on 2 out of 3 of those players and I don't know what Anthony Ford's yeah. done to fall from grace but you could have gone right keep one of Obita and Henry on put Ford and maybe even Rob Hall but it just seemed like we'll go right we'll put on these players they'll stretch it and in theory there'll be space and we'll win 2 nil, and it'll be great but it seems a little bit sort of naive to not think that Swindon wouldn't have chances. And, you know, it, it, yeah, it just completely destroyed us. And then the last five minutes, we were panicked, absolutely panicked. And that's nothing to do with the subs. It was all. complete but, like chaos. And it was, it, I've never been, as I said to you guys the other day, like the, their equaliser hurt me more than their winning goal for whatever reason. But it was so, you could just see it coming. We were just a complete mess. Nothing was sticking up top. We weren't playing any football. Um, that was one thing, and it we carried across a bit into the Ipswich game. And we'll we'll obviously talk a bit a bit about that. But like just a lack of like confidence to bring the ball out at times and to play the ball out and try and play the ball through the lines. Like it was their first half and it completely like dissolved and for what for no real reason like we're playing a really average team um who weren't out footballing us or anything and i just still i i just with no pressure in the stadium as well or no nerves of the fans to kind of um be hooking off i just couldn't understand that what happened really that judgment of when to boot it and just get rid of it and there were plenty of times where you go, okay, you could have actually taken a touch there. You could have played that forward. And it's those little things of confidence that are not there and don't seem to be changing at all. And I don't know whether that's the players doing what they're... I don't know where that, that temperament comes from, whether it's the players or whether it's KR, whether it's a bit of both. But it's, it's poor decision-making and it's, it's really kind of affecting us building up any flow. Yeah. It, it was the complete reverse of the Pompey game, wasn't it? Because we made the triple substitution when chasing the game and it gave us a bit of drive, a bit of impetus. And then against Swindon, we kind of made, it wasn't triple, but it was three over 10 minutes or whatever, and then fell apart. And the, the contrast between the two was nuts, really, to say they were, you know, what, five days apart and all Sykes had a really good game coming on on Tuesday. Um, it was, yeah, we're just the inconsistency of it is the most frustrating thing. And to go and chuck the kind of whole record against Swindon away and literally just get it and throw it out the window. Um, I think that's why everyone so fed up. Like if we'd have been absolutely beaten three four nil, you kind of go, well, fair enough. But to just collapse like that was, yeah, just made it worse. I I do still think that. And again, I was we were watching obviously the Ipswich game last night, and I know I've just made this point, but there was something in our you know a lot is said about like teams' identities and stuff, and I but I did feel and maybe Rob Dickey's absence is a big reason around this, but we even if we were under pressure and a team was just coming off the back of an attack, so they still had a load of players in in our half, we would still try and play play the ball out to retain possession and mo more often than not you'll often get the opposition retreating at that point sometimes they'll keep the pressure on they'll keep a high press 
but a lot of the time they'll retreat and at that point then we start to play the ball the ball out but we're not we're at, there's absolutely like kind of john said there's there's not much of that there, there's not players getting their heads up and thinking like right is this the time to try and work the ball across the back line for them to retreat so we can actually have some sustained possession to calm the the game down or whatever there's less of that and there's more of the just punting it and then the ball starts coming straight back at you and it's another wave of attack and like i don't think i'm dreaming that i think it's it's definitely a feature from last season to this season i think that mirrors kind of confidence and results as well though when you're when you're playing well and winning three or four games in a row naturally you've got more confidence to try and keep the ball a little bit better and we i mean the the swindon game yeah it was just panic it was and we saw it again against ipswich this kind of Oh my god, we haven't had a clean sheet for 17, 18 games. We're winning one nil, and I think yeah. it's just this the mental confidence as a as a duo just make you know what was kind of normal last season and calm and you know all those things put together. I think it just leads to what looks like chaos, and you can see the nerves in the players. That that game, Swindon and Ipswich last night would have been an absolute nightmare as a fan because you'd be sat there in the stadium watching the players tread in on eggshells thinking I can't make a mistake here I'm just going to get rid of the ball yeah. um, and it's and you know winning a couple of games will phase that out but it is it's panic stations a little bit at the moment I think you're right as well about the clean sheets that's a fair point like <laughs> there's got to be a time where you try and get the clean sheet in the bag build the confidence and then perhaps yeah you go from there but I just I'm still surprised with so many of the same players in that squad that they they can get over that and just try and play the way that we have been playing for the last like two, three seasons type thing. But there's a question that somebody um messaged us about, which um James Barson messaged us about to ask him that kind of question. Hopefully what we just talked about kind of touches on that. I and mean, he was saying was the last season the best we could get under KR and have the players kind of lost confidence in him a bit. I don't think that is that is the case. But the reasons you've just articulated both as to why this set of players that are pretty much the same about Dickey, I think kind of starts to touch on that. For Dickey just Dickey wasn't the be all and end all, you know, he was a great player, but I think his the main benefit is he confidence spread throughout the team. The midfielders didn't need to look behind them as much. There was a bit more knowing that actually he he would pass the ball out of defence through the lines. And that meant other midfielders could push forward. So it is a little bit about Dickey. I think Marcus Brown was was important as well. But um, I don't think it's actually... It's, it's, a, it's a mixture of things, but it's um, it's an interesting yeah. question. And like you said, if, like we said on the last pod, if people have got things they want us to attempt to sort of ramble about, then do, do tweet us or, or Facebook or whatever. Before we get on to KR's comments at the end... Um... Their second goal, John. Um, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> Any I've thoughts only, or feelings? I've only seen it back for the first time today. <laughs> I haven't watched I, it back once, genuinely. Because I couldn't face it, but I knew that we were going to talk about it, so I need to at least remind myself. And I hadn't really clocked in the sort of Elliot Moore's decision not to, not to head of that. But equally not meaning overly meaning to jump ahead. When Stevens came in against Ipswich, now I've seen that goal back. I've gone, of course he should have come in against Ipswich because it's absolutely terrible by Eastwood. It's not just like a bit of, bit of a rick. It's absolutely appalling that that goes through him somehow. Um, but it was just sort of had that inevitability about it. Um, well, he'd be better off just standing on his bloody line and letting a little duel between defender yeah, and striker it, it, like play it, out. It, it, it wasn't dropping onto the striker's foot and he would hit the shot. It was it was going to bounce a couple more times. There was plenty it, of space for him. It was... <laughs> I mean, the, the final catastrophe was obviously Eastwood kind of jumping through the air, which is essentially what he did. With his but, eyes closed. Yeah, with his eyes closed. But it was <laughs> it was three things. It was... A loft, a, not a very good lofted high ball that for some reason Moore didn't come and challenge. Is it Broadbent, the 
lanky bloke, yeah, yeah. just stood off, gave him two, three yards to win the header on the edge of our own box. And then the second ball, I, I can't remember where Atkinson started, but to not beat the Swindon player, to, I know Eastwood came charging out like a man possessed, but yeah, it was just, it was a bit like the playoff. Finally, you know, well, more ducked, Eastwood came out. Someone should have done this, but Eastwood's attempts to get the ball isn't what any goalkeeper in the world does, hands or not, or anything like that. Um, yeah, so it's no surprise he got dropped because if you're the manager, you go, he's just forgotten how to play in goal here. He needs just time off. Yeah. Yeah. And we might as well talk about it now, John, but right decision bringing Stevens in. I think Steve Kinneborough after Swindon on the um wasn't at the game show was kind of saying you know you don't you don't take him out um at this stage you know that you've got a shaky defense conceding goals all over the shot they need to you know we need to build confidence from the back but I was much in the my state of mind is that if you're a goalkeeper there's one position on the pitch if you don't get a chance when the other goalkeeper's flapping around making you know, errors and significant errors, then when are you ever going to get your opportunity? Because you've got to build a career from somewhere and you have to get, generally you're going to get thrown in when times are tough or the, the other keepers having issues. Yeah, I, I, I didn't expect it to happen on Tuesday. I'm not going to claim any status like that. Um, I kind of sort of buy more the kind of, experience you kind of don't want to hugely disrupt a team that's really low on confidence especially after losing as big a game as Swindon I think if we'd lost a game to another team and he brought it in I wouldn't have been as surprised um but to be fair is I agree with you as well we'll get the opportunity to do it and <laughs> how how bad could it be like we're in a we're in a bad situation couldn't can make it much worse could it so I think yeah. it you know over and all it was an educated puns, I think. Some of the comments then after the game. So we've talked <laughs> in historical pods around um, KR's kind of emotional reactions and perhaps, you know, BBC Oxford getting to him at a time where he hasn't had a time to kind of like settle his thoughts down or whatever. Um, so he talked about how the subs made no impact and that's, you know, you can't really argue with that. Although, again, you know, he's made those subs um he talked about the goal being disgusting was his his term term of phrase um talked about how dan Aji did wonderfully well on tuesday so as in the pompey game which which was fair mark sykes uh, this was the one of the contentious ones wasn't it where he said mark sykes who everyone tells me is a very good player um and then went on to you know Suggest his energy wasn't there and letting people run past him. Jack, like, what, what do you reckon about that level of like individual scrutiny? Um, like, I, 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 it just, I was in, you know, John, I know you were raging at this as well, but like, I was just listening to it going, for God's sake, like, and you know, you can see subsequently something's probably happened, doesn't it, in the dressing room or whatever. Yeah, I mean, any time you name a player and criticise publicly in a live interview, it's not going to go well. The kind of hindsight and follow-up to this was that I think he also named Shadipo and said something like, I don't see what he's given us. Yeah. You then look at the squad against Ipswich, there's no Sykes at all, and then Shadipo starts. Now, the, the, the Mark Sykes relationship with KR kind of mirrors the Dan Adji one in that they're often the two that are named as being, oh, well, they need to work on this, so we need to show me more in training. And there was a phase when Sykes first joined us where he couldn't get in the side. He almost got loaned out at the start of the 19th well, last season. Um, so it's a very strange relationship, which would appear by the fact he wasn't in the squad on Tuesday to almost have fully broken now. Um, I think yeah. John mentioned it last week. If if you were Mark Sykes here in that, you'd be asking your agent to um, have a little tout about ready for January because, well, especially even more so after seeing Shadipo start, who was also criticised and you don't get in the squad. Um, 
I think yeah, I think that relationship's a little bit broken now, and I can't quite see how it gets fixed. But there's got to be a personal thing going on though, because it was a weird, you know, with Sykes last season, as you said, he was going to get loaned out. All the fans seem to be generally calling for him to get in the team at the time. Then he gets in the team, has a really good run of games. I remember, you know, he got that goal at Wimbledon away and stuck stuck around in the side like making generally good contributions and as we said he's john yes he's a little bit raw but the guy's got a lot of talent and if you look at like games like when we had to step up to the plate and play newcastle and stuff last year he was doing roulettes in the middle of the pitch and making them look distinctly average and i don't think we've got many players that can do that so it just feels odd unless you know maybe we'll find out more about what's going on in the background but you can't fancy every player i guess or have a good relationship with everyone it just still doesn't sit with with me well all of that no and, and sykes is a he is an established player like in terms of he's shown what he can do as you touched on there i was just sort of gobsmacked by that comment i don't know whether he's tripped over his words but it, it didn't seem like he he did i only speculate that KR is known for have, for bringing through young players. He did it, did it at Milton Keynes and he's done it in other places. Whether there is something with those two where he tries to get them to do something and they don't listen and sometimes they do listen and they have amazing performance and then it's all psychsy this and psychsy that and then others, they just ignore it and it's he calls them out. But Robinson seemed to adopt a, you know, I've done everything right. My players have done everything wrong and that's just not how management works. Like you win together and you lose together. And I don't I don't understand how it can be benefit to anyone except his own sort of I don't know, sort of relief or whatever that he makes comments like this. And I'm glad we're doing this three days afterwards because I was absolutely boiling after that that interview. And you make the point there, like he said me and my coaching stuff. I forget I might be paraphrasing a bit here, but he, he was kind of saying I've done my bit and the coaching staff and the management have done their bit for what we've got control over and the players didn't do their bit. And it's like, I kind of understand that, but at the same time, your job is to manage the team, to pick the team, to make subs at the right time, to get tactics right, to manage the game effectively. All of that stuff contributes to the team being successful. It's not just like you can acknowledge yourself as being you know, like I've done my bit absolutely fine and fantastically. See you later. It doesn't, it just doesn't work like that. And I know he's, yeah. because they repeated that in the build up to the Ipswich game on BBC Oxford, that the line that it, where he said about him being, you know, doing the things for what he's got control over. But the, the fan base was a little bit split because a few of us were reacting on the Tip Manor Twitter feeds and we were getting in some debates with fans and some of those were going, you know, kind of agreeing with our general tact in terms of what we're saying there. But others were saying, no, the play, you know, he's protected the players enough. Um, you know, it's about time that he laid in some people and to get some reactions. And they seem to kind of side with KR on that on that front. But I expect I accept people have different opinions on it, but I, I still don't think it's the it's the right right tact. Um just it just seems to be like Management 101, and I say that obviously I'm not a manager, but you t- if something gone, has gone badly wrong, you take the heat, you take it, and you, you can criticise your players in general terms. You know, we didn't put the effort in, we need to learn better, we need, we'll be all those sorts of things. You don't get in specifics unless you know that player is going to react. That's what that player responds to. But that level of, <laughs> of singling out, I don't think any player responds with any other way than ringing their agent and saying, this isn't going to work. I'll see you later. I hope I'm proved wrong on that. But if I was Sykes, I'd want, I just want out. Well, it's interesting because I either look and he, he is out of contract in the summer. So there's a bit of a um, yeah, right. January game to be played, perhaps. What what do we do if A, he asks for a transfer and someone comes offering a semi-reasonable amount of money? Um, there's a whole squad cap thing. Do we want him around if he's going to take up a place and not play? Etc. Etc. So I think you know if he's not in the squad again on Saturday, um, yeah, where you know it looks like he's nudging towards the departure lounge. You've said it before, Jack, but he's exactly the type of player that will go to Shrewsbury and tear it up 
And like it's that type of thing where if he went to another League One club, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him absolutely smash it. And I, I think we'd be, you know, we'd look foolish, but you never know again how those things pan out. But he's not going, he wouldn't be going to League Two, I'll, I'll tell you that. No, no. Should um, we talk about mugs, mugs and T-shirts? <laughs> final thing before we get into that because that's the happy that's the happy yeah, way no, to finish that's it. where I wanted to go I wanted to get it's to that quickly just, just last thing on KR is that like I, I read back one of the Oxford Mail articles that um, James Roberts had put together and I think it was more KR previewing Ipswich and reflecting back on on the Swindon game and he said it was a difficult Saturday night I went home sat in a dark room on my own for 30 minutes thinking about everything and processing the emotions etc etc and then his next quote was the interesting one where he says anyone who knows who who knows me knows knows the first person i'll blame is myself and what i could have done and that's a direct quote from uh kr and i just think on the back on everything that we've just said is a complete contradiction of that it's like yeah. the first thing he did was lay into all the people around him and celebrate the good work that him and his staff have been doing uh, i just i i uh, i still like by the way if anyone listening is thinking we're just purely tearing into him i still think in in our the way we kind of deal with it in, as an analogy he's absolutely still in credit he deserves yeah yeah absolutely. lots of time like fully support him i'll back him all the way but he also needs to be scrutinized like when when these things happen and i would hope based on that comment i've just said that he reflects on his own outbursts and john i know you've kind of worked in pr before and it's like there should be someone stood next to him going bloody hell carl not sure you should have uh got taken that line with that interview sorry jack now i was just going to say that the the emotive side of his post-match interviews has been something we've discussed numerous times in his what three and a half years that he's been with us now um Sometimes you just wish they'd send, say, Craig Short out or they occasionally used to send Faz out. I think an interview with KR within 30 minutes of a game ending, if we've lost or not played well, is always just a, oh no, what's he going to say kind of moment. And sometimes it just needs to be someone else comes out because it saves everyone a kind of, oh no, what's he going to say? Um, yeah. And he does. And, he does seem to be the only one who ever gets. You know, obviously he's the manager. He likes. He likes to talk. We know that. But sometimes you just think, oh no, come on, not not today. Just give him a bit longer, or don't do a post match straight away, or you know, send a different face. And obviously, we still like the passion. And I think yeah, Jerome, yeah. Jerome always says this, but like Carl wants the fans to care. Like he he might secretly like that we're tearing into him because it should demonstrates that there's a fan base there that really cares about the club and the players and how everything's going. But I, I absolutely still yeah still fully supporting him. Just want to emphasise that. But it's just yeah, it was it was it was a difficult time. Um, but let's talk. <laughs> Swindon decided uh, after the game. Was it actually on Saturday or was it Sunday? Yeah, no, it was. I swear it was within an hour of the game finishing or something like that and to be fair <laughs> it made me feel so oh. much better it was it was just sort of like this is our little way out i'll get out of jail free card to go you're just so tin pot <laughs> like that is and they were so badly designed as well like it was oh it was amazing it was so just, good and i love the fact their fans hated it as well like oh, you know, there's yeah. been plenty of fans chatting rubbish on various social media networks for the last few days as we probably all would be but they if that moment of them going oh dear god what have you done like <laughs> it's just the, the intro the, the great thing about it is that they shithouse to a win like we demonstrated first half that we were the better football team ultimately is the way i see it they shithouse mm. their way to a win um and then yeah they just made it their cup final and told everyone about it jack i thought it's fantastic well and we're obviously going to take the kind of higher ground and all that kind of thing but like we'd had the the winning run for 19 years like could you imagine the amount of merchandise they could have put out if we wanted to do that kind of thing we could have had like all the years that we've beaten them on all the goal scorers blah 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 um 
but no, it, it, it did make it better just seeing a number of delete tweet messages they were getting and all the memes and various things. And obviously they, they pulled them off sale quite quickly, I think, on Sunday in the end. But yeah, it, it, if if we ever did anything like that, like, oh. it's. <laughs> I, I actually think more Oxford fans would probably order them, weirdly, just to remind them of that that moment when they had the T-shirts and mugs to celebrate their tin pot status. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I went back through tweet. I was quite sad I couldn't rediscover the tweet because, uh, yeah, even the tweet was taken down, wasn't it? It wasn't just um, the actual stuff of the store. But thank you. When we, uh, when, we, when we beat them next, which hopefully will be the net, the net of the away game, we should be making posters of that, <laughs> selling posters of that tweet. That would be worth what we should do. Yeah. Um, so we move on to which we've obviously referenced this a few times, but what a terrible team. Like we were talking about, um, Paul Lambert and his like 65 year contract and the fact that their fan base is generally really disgruntled with the way the club's being run, the football that's being played, everything else. But even so they had, um, a decent record, especially against teams in the bottom half of the table. I think, was it Jack, you, you went and dug into that what was it that they they had they basically beaten everyone in the bottom half and then lost to the teams that were up there yeah bar bar one game all their points there i think it was 25 points 22 of them had come against teams that were currently in the bottom half and anyone who was in the top half bar accrington who they beat um they'd lost to which uh we got a few comments back saying well thanks for making me look forward to the to the game um (laughs) But actually, they they turned up and played like a lower league side trying to get an FA Cup replay, really. Yeah. What a weird performance from them. They looked absolutely, like, abject. Um, they were they, they were awful. Obviously, Steven started in goal. Sykes wasn't in the squad. We've already talked about all of that. Um, I just... John, I, there's not really much to say because we... <laughs> It was just quite a bit of a nothing of a game, but we were definitely on top and we had periods of sustained pressure. Again, didn't necessarily make it count. Um, Henry hit the post, didn't he, with a with a head was it header first half, I think it was. Yeah, it was header and there was some you're right, and that's why we we're all struggling to talk about it, which I guess we don't need to for, for ages. But I thought you know, McGuane was another positive moments from him as well. Yeah. I thought we we again looked more condensed, more solid, and I didn't really worry about us conceding to a degree. I mean, there was, as the game wore on, definitely the feeling of we could just get a ball straight through and they score, and they nearly did in in the sort of the first half. Um, but we weren't really kind of trying to do anything with the ball. That that we weren't taking any risk. And that was that was the problem, and it rapidly moved into that. We've got we should be taking the opportunity here. We've got to get over this kind of want to get a clean sheet, and they're there for the taking. They had some, you know, there was a lot of money, a lot of high value squad players Ipswich had. Yet they looked really ordinary, um, and you looked like all that stuff around the sort of bit of the demise at the club was was seeking through onto the onto the pitch. It was it was just after the game on reflection, it was absolutely two points dropped though, wasn't it? Because they were just so poor. Um and it's back to that thing around kind of making a statement about where you want to finish up. Like that game more than you know, that was there with like I'm trying to think of the terrible teams that we kind of played where they seemed to offer nothing. Um Accrington was one. What was another? I don't know. Um, they, they were sort of playing all right football in terms of they weren't sort of they were quite sort of smooth and technical players, but they just weren't really doing anything with the ball or really putting us under pressure. But to be fair, we were not really. I think you, you put it here, sort of still punting up to Matt Taylor and doing things like that, and it, it just sort of it didn't seem to think like we thought. Right, how how do we break and try and take a risk? That that was yeah that was my main note from that game was that the amount of times we just seemed to and we talked about the whole lack of kind of bringing it out and playing through the lines but yeah we were just punting it towards Taylor but seemingly 
intentionally so as well, not just for clearing it, literally looking up and then playing a long ball towards Matty Taylor, who's was constantly getting dominated by the centre back behind him. Um, the ball was never going to his feet. And he can be quite a tidy player, Matty Taylor, like if he needs to be when the ball is at his feet, like he can bring others into play. We've seen that. But I just like, yeah, Wigan was the only game I could think of where he'd, and maybe first half against Swindon, he had a, a bit of a chance, like you said, Jack, where he actually ran in behind and actually was getting, you know, played in and stuff. Wigan was similar. But I just don't understand the whole thing about he's not he's not Dan Aji, who definitely has more of that that ability to really like out muscle and frustrate centre backs to try and just cause them problems. And whilst he's causing them problems, the rest of the team's like pushing up the pitch to get nearer to him. It just it's a really, really bizarre tactic and it just doesn't doesn't work for us. And it's a good job Ipswich were complete crap going forward generally because they didn't take any, you know they could have they won the ball back that many times they could have had been creating th- things off the back of it but they just didn't because they were they were shocking yeah I, I hadn't realized at the time um there was only reading a few bits today because originally i thought oh i'll take a point at home against ipswich kind of stop the rot a little bit after saturday's disaster but then when you look at the players they were missing last night which showed in their performance it is two points drops because you're not going to play an Ipswich side that's missing probably four or five players who'd walk straight back into their team again. So it was there was three points there for the taking. They'd come for a point seemingly and were very happy. They'd have probably shaken hands at sixty minutes on a nil nil. And we just yeah we just we'd never really felt like we were going for it. Whereas against Pompey we you know triple sub and threw everything at it. Last night felt like the kind of the. The, the instruction was don't lose the game, don't take risks, get the point, bank the clean sheet, move on to Saturday, which slightly understandable, but it does feel like a little bit of an opportunity miss. And as you say, if, if we still think we can go on a run and threaten, let's say, the top half, that is exactly the kind of game that you need to take three points from. Yeah. And John, like we're kind of nursing a bit. Nursing is probably the wrong word, but Abita's regaining fitness, so he's being kind of gradually worked into the side. But we think he's going to be more of a sure starter. Um, Shadipo, who obviously came in, had a bit of a super sub status very for a very brief period of time. But in the games he started, he hasn't necessarily done enough, has he? So you've got to expect Abita when he's fully fit will be making that kind of left-wing position his own. I think we've said that in previous pods as well. Yeah, I think from a shape perspective as as well. And Shudders in, why not have him as a as a super sub? He, he still has that reason we bought him, which is that un- unpredictability, unpredictable element to him. So that that's fine. I think the other thing, the last thing I'd say on Ipswich was, and it ties maybe Jack's, ties with what Jack said, that we were really just sort of, being unambitious to try and get the point. But the fullbacks, I thought, were particularly poor in their distribution and what they offered in terms of knitting together with a with a player in front of them. It didn't seem to be any ambition at all from either of them to really join in the tax and, and sort of make things happen. And I don't know whether that's a broader issue with that limits our whole team as well, because playing the system, we do, do need the fullbacks to kind of get involved with play. But... I thought that was a bit of a concern, um, but it may have just been holding out for the for the point and playing that flat back four and just being solid. It's it's what we we were asking this question amongst ourselves the other day, weren't we? Like, and it sounds harsh. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing a lot of just slamming the team on this pod and not really saying anything positive. But you know, when we when we're talking about Ruffles and Long, we were saying would a top half league one side ever come in for those two to be anything more than like a fringe or a squad player um and it's an interesting thing you know i'm not i'm not necessarily saying either way well i kind of am by asking the question in that tone (laughs) but like it is it's a valid point it's like they're they're reasonable all-round players but they don't offer the dynamic kind of threat necessarily going forward um and they're not incredible defenders either so it's like good all-round kind of players for their position but at the same time 
I think it's a really interesting question that that like for it if we were it looks like we're going to struggle to get a top half slash playoffs this season but if that was our aspiration perhaps some of the reason why we're not up there is is a bit down to that is like having limited um, if the rest of the team is performing you can absolutely have those players yeah in the team yeah. and, and ruffles in particular and, and long as well they're both absolute warriors for the club and we're trying to talk in a sort of perfect world here we're not you know, crunching them for the sake of it. But it's an aspect that's another thing that's different this year. The fullbacks aren't, I probably have to add more as the rest of the team's misfiring. That's, I was just going to say the same thing. I think the system we play, if your wingers aren't tearing apart their opposition fullback and getting multiple crosses in and looking a threat, you want one of your fullbacks to be providing a different option. At the minute, we've got probably of the four wise players, maybe one is on, you know, a seven or eight each week. You've never got both wingers on form and you never got both fullbacks on form. Um, I think a lot, a lot of that is, again, it all comes down to confidence, but back to James's point, Sam Long, Josh Ruffles wouldn't be in a kind of top three. You wouldn't get a Sunderland coming in going, Oh, when we get promoted, we'll have these two in a championship as well. Um, And it, it may be something we have to look at. Do we need to have kind of a more um, attack-minded set of full-backs that present a different option? Yeah. Well, let people either slam us or let us know. If you've got this far through the pod and you've got a view on that, then please let us know and respond to the pod when we posted it. Maybe we'll put a poll out and get harassed for doing so. Who knows? Um. So obviously that finished nil-nil, clean sheet. First in, I, I want to say, you know, we had the Warsaw clean sheet, but in, as far as league games go, I want to say like 20 games or so. It must have been around that mark. Um, the way League One's kind of uh, looking, we're obviously just sitting one place above the relegation zone. Um, 14 games in, we've kind of got away from that two goals every game in terms of what we're conceding. So hopefully that... That stays where it's at, but yeah, we're a long way away <laughs> from the, <laughs> from the playoff picture and, and such. And it's not it's not as if we've got hosts of uh, games in hand. I've noticed like Accrington have only played. Obviously, there's reasons, but they played eleven eleven games. They're un, undefeated in their last um, five, and they've won four of those. Um, and they've got yeah four games in hand on loads of the teams above them. Like, they were terrible when when we played them. I know we kind of, it was a bit of a smashing grab to get a 4-1, but I just remember at the time thinking like, oh, we won't have a problem here. But fair play to, what's his name? Is it John? um, Coleman. Coleman, yeah. Uh, I just don't think teams just aren't, don't seem to be able to go on runs as much this season. Are, you know, the teams right at the top of the league. It's just so... Sunderland, um, Sunderland drew a Burton, didn't they? And they got a late equaliser last night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right, John. Team seems to be struggling to go on a run. Um, anyway, let's let's look forward. Uh, the team that's top of the league at the moment is Hull, <laughs> Hull City. And they're coming to the Kassam. Uh, it'll be the first time we've got fans in the ground. And um, Tony Fallows, who's been on a few pods, um, is going to the game. He's going to be coming on the next pod to talk about what that experience was like. So make sure you listen to that. But who's previewing this? Who's done the Hull research? The Hull City Tigers. It's, it's me, Hull <laughs> City Tigers. It's me. Um, yeah, I mean, top of the league team, exactly what we need. They've beaten Doncaster tonight 2-1, which is a very good result because Doncaster are the team that, Form very well against other teams at the top of the league as well. Um, we've yeah, we haven't played them since 2004, which was um, a 4-2 loss away. A classic Ian Atkins team. All the, <laughs> loved seeing the names of Robinson, Bound, McNiven, Hunt, Marky Rawl, Jefferson Louis came on. It's just simpler that, time. <laughs> that game is where it all fell apart. As in, we were top, they were second. We lost, missed the playoffs that season, got relegated the next season. They had two successive promotions end up in the Premiership and we ended up in the conference. And I still maintain to this day that that was the turning point for both clubs. 
<laughs> well, it was. Um, I think we were like three 0 down in that game before we even sort of turned up. Um, it feels like we used to play Hull all the time, but it just shows how time flies by. But anyway, um, so yeah, they've obviously beaten Doncaster. They beat Ipswich three 0 away before that. Um, they've really hit sort of scoring form as well. They've hit three goals in at least three of their five games, last five games. Um, but they did lose to Swindon, Peterborough, and Fleetwood. You know, so everyone's doing it. It's not just us. Um, another team like Ipswich, where there's a bit of background sort of challenges behind the scenes. Um, Grant McCann's their manager who took them down last season, although he did join late into the championship season. But there's a lot of issues amongst the fans talking about whether he's the best person. I mean, they're getting ahead of themselves slightly, but they're talking about whether he's the best person to take them back into the championship, assuming they are going to be successful, which they are so far. But he's talked about that publicly and there's been a lot of fans questioning whether they're good enough against good teams, which seems quite mm. harsh, but you, you get the sense there's some instability for the manager. And then Hull generally, they've been trying to sell the owners of that club since 2014. Um, and then there's been a few possible takeovers, bids, rumours that have come out in the last few months. So again, there's, there's sort of, I mean, they are sort of like Ipswich, I suppose, in a way. They've, they've come down from the premiership and so on. Um, so they're not overly stable, but they're obviously playing very well on the pitch. Um, Squad-wise, um, George Long is a name some will, will recognise. He was a, the goalkeeper back on loan in 2014. Personally, I don't remember him being that great, but he'll probably be on the bench. Um, who, who did we loan him from? Was it Chef United? Chef United, yeah. He went back yeah. and played for had a fair few games for them, to be fair to him, but I was never that yeah. convinced by him. Um, they've also got Hakim Adelukan, Adelukan, who was... I'm going to say linked with us, but it was a bit of a sort of in-the-know type linking. I don't think we ever ever went that close, but Mm. I'd I'd gladly be told otherwise because he's a decent player. Um, He's a really good player. Had an excellent spell at Doncaster two years ago. Um, Who who was that, sorry? Malik Wilkes. He's a right right winger. So it's kind of Adelukan and Wilkes on the other side of Josh McGuinness. Um, or Tom Eaves, so it's um, two lively, decent wingers. Um, and then you've got George Honeyman, who was at Sunderland, sort of runs the game from the kind of Gorian role, kind of similar to Liam Kelly in his makeup um, yeah. as well. He's a decent but, player. Yeah, he is, and he's very experienced. So, in Josh McGuinness is banging them in at the moment as well. So, I think um, Honeyman were. Honeyman played a big part in the Sunderland, one of the Sunderland documentaries. I forget which year it was, but he's homegrown, isn't he, for them? Yeah, you think he was when in he both was of them. And he was there he's, with the um, techno, with the techno, the techno backdrop. Yeah, so I can't really. Um, I mean, I can't paint any. There's not many sort of um chinks in their armor you can really paint, given the top of the league. <laughs> um, but you know, it's an interesting. I think it should be a good game. They they basically play exactly the same system as us. Problem is they're probably going to play it better. <laughs> so we've got to think about how we do something different to that. Okay. Are we doing predictions, John? What do you reckon for Hull? I really, it's terrible because I really don't see how we can get much from it. I mean, you hate to predict with, I don't think, you hate to predict a loss, but I think I'm just going to go for a draw from but we'll have to play out of our skin. And to be fair, that could be, you know, it could be, if we get something out of Hull and we play well, could be the changing point for this season, really, because they are basically where we want to be, playing exactly how we want to play. So I think I'm going to pray for a draw. Um, but I think if we got battered, then, you know, things could take a turn. And I don't see Blackpool being any easier game. It's just a slightly different game. So... It's weird because you don't want to say I'd take two draws because I want a win out of one of them, but I don't see where it's coming from either. So that's a roundabout way of not really answering your question. <laughs> uh, a draw. Jack, can you improve on a draw? Uh, well, Hull haven't drawn yet this season, so they're due a draw, so there's some positivity. Um, the negative side being they've conceded the uh, second least in the league and scored the most uh, mm. alongside Portsmouth. So. Um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm hardly bringing much positivity to the table, so I'd probably snap your hands off for a point. Um, I don't think we'll get that, though, sadly. Okay. Do you think Mark Sykes will start? Range of things <laughs> have happened, but um, probably not. I, I am interested to see, given how well we played against Pompey with a different lineup. Just wondering if, like, this is the type of game to try something a little, a little bit different. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, I feel like Ford hasn't done much wrong, has he? Really. So perhaps, like, you probably keep McGuane there, given his performances. Goran will be there, but maybe, maybe you've got Ford coming in for Kelly. Um, and there's probably a chance that it depends now about after the comments about Aji, but you know he did he did a really good job. So against Pompey, especially first half, so it'd, be, it'd just be interesting to see whether or not that's an option. Um, but you expect a beater to come back in as well, don't you? Maybe even Sean Clare. It just depends on that. There are def there's definitely options there, but I think this Kelly is saying he. He's had two of his better games or three of his better games for us. Um, and you've got to be, there's got to be a degree of banking on that quality will sustain and come through um, over time. But I agree with you on Ford. He's not done anything wrong in, as far as I can see. I think this is a game where if we're going to get anything out of it, we need our wingers to be on form because yeah. Long and Ruffles are going to be tied up with Adelukan and Wilkes. So we need whoever plays wide to offer something. Um at least Hull will become and try and win the game, unlike Ipswich on Tuesday. And generally, we tend to play better against sides who are trying to beat us rather than kind of sit in. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, yeah. We, you never know. I'm going to say a 2-1 uh, win with Sean Clare getting a brace <laughs> <laughs> off the bench. Um I don't on know. that note, <laughs> predictions just I, I, there's no point in predicting what yeah, no, no, going to no. do this year. I've got absolutely no idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, Tony will be on on Saturday to talk about the match day experience and what that's going to be like. We've got JPT, whatever it's now called, Papa Bloody Johns on Tuesday. Who is that even against again? Forest Green. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. And then obviously Blackpool the following week. So we'll probably touch on um, on that a little bit again. On I think we'll do it on Sunday for a Monday release. So be prepared, listeners. There'll be another pod early next week. But in the meantime, thanks for listening as always. And thank you, chaps. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Still not used to that. Right. Cheers. See you later.